0: Today is an amazing day because we get to talk about risk management. You know, I'm standing in a breezeway and stairs are behind me because every time that you take a risk, you actually step out hoping that there is a step to comfort your foot. You never know what could happen. It could be great or it could be horrible. And so we take risk in so many forms of our life. And it's been said that if there is no risk, there is no reward. I even love the way that President Jimmy Carter once said to go out on a limb, because that's where the fruit is. Today, my friends, we're going to talk about risking control, because I don't know about you, but Lord knows I love control. You see, to risk, it means to attempt something without having all the details as to how or if that will work out. We take risk in marriage, in business ventures, in transferring schools and even in walking out of the door each morning. Risk are all a part of life, but hey, don't get me wrong, I know risks are scary. The reasons that risk are scary is because the product of taking a risk could be awesome or it could be horrible. This is why so many people like to say, "Uh, maybe, maybe not, maybe, uh, OK, no, I'm not going to do it." <laughs> you see, the biggest risk that I've taken in my life, believe it or not, is getting married to Lauren. <sighs> I wanted to know, would she love the good parts of Josh along with the weird parts of Josh? You know those weird parts of Josh where Josh likes to get up at 2 a.m. and watch ESPN and holler at the TV while she's trying to go to sleep. I wanted to know would she run the marathon of life with me that is sometimes filled with hills of hope but also filled with rough terrain that can be terrible. However, the risk that I've taken has proven to be beneficial for us both. Thank God. But friends... If we are ever going to gain a deeper relationship with God or make the world a better place, we have to learn how to take responsible risk. So let's discuss this month, risk management and all of that and what it entails. You see, today we will be consulted by a man by the name of Peter, Peter at this time, had heard reports of many false teachers in Asia Minor, which is today Turkey. Paul had two reasons for writing this short letter in the Bible. It's really only three chapters. You really need to check it out. The two reasons he wrote this letter were that Peter wanted to discourage people from listening to false teachers. Peter also wanted to encourage people to keep the faith as they were being led by the Roman emperor of this day by the name of Nero. Nero, he was an evil man. He was so evil that he killed his mother, he killed his second wife, and he even burnt up half of Rome just so he could rebuild it and the people would hopefully praise him. He was crazy, y'all. The people of this time, they were led by immoral leaders. And Peter is reminding them that although you may be fearful, although you may feel like you have no control at all, I want you to risk your fear and control to deepen your relationship with God. And so we catch Peter in the first chapter of his letter right here in verses five through eight. And Peter encourages these believers saying, for this very reason, We understand this big, I mean, gigantic truth. And Peter is telling ancient believers as well as us to follow the strategy that leads to the Savior. Peter gives us building blocks in this text. It's the building blocks of a strategy that leads directly to Jesus. In case you're wondering what in the world is a strategy, Josh, I'm so glad you asked, even virtually. A strategy is an intentional plan of action. Sport teams have strategies. The armed forces, no matter what branch, has strategies. Businesses have strategies. Amazon even has a strategy. Chick-fil-A has strategies. H&M has a strategy. But guess what? God also has. As a very intentional strategy, which if followed leads not only through this life, but it gets us to eternity with God. See, Peter right here, he speaks to everyone here saying, I know that times are tragic, but follow the strategy. Fatigue may be settling in. I understand it, but follow the strategy. Peter in written form reminds these believers as well as us. Guess what? I know you're enduring some hardships at the moment. They were enduring some psychotic childlike type of leadership from this Roman Emperor Nero. And he was telling them basically don't stoop to his level, but rise to God's level. He says, I want you to literally follow the strategy and exhibit goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Peter offers seven characteristics which make up this strategy in an effort to communicate to ancient and current believers that you cannot always control what happens to you, but you can control how you will respond. You see... These ancient believers in this context of this time, they were surrounded by false teachers who were spreading this idea that there was no need for self-control. You can throw that right off the window. The reason that there was no need for self-control because they taught that it just did not matter what type of actions you committed. You were just to live your life. It's similar to us saying YOLO that you only live once, so you could you should just live as recklessly as you want to live. So back in this time, however, this type of teaching calls people to do just that, live recklessly. But friends, don't worry. We are, guess what, the same way. You see, there's a remnant of false teaching even now in our society where many people say, well, Jesus died for my sins, so I can just live any way that I want to right? No. God understands, yes, that we will make mistakes and that we are not perfect, but God desires that we grow, that we mature, and that we allow God to transform us from the inside out. Growth, maturity, and transformation are all a part of the strategy that leads directly to the Savior. But if by chance you don't understand this, you say, OK, those were Peter words. They have nothing to do with me. Allow me to submit and suggest to you a coupling of sorts. Use Paul's words to Titus in Titus chapter three, verse 14. Paul tells Titus, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. God wants us to do what is good. God wants us to be loving. God wants us to care. God wants us to live according to what he has set forth in his word. Follow the strategy. It leads directly to the Savior. I'm going to admit something to you. I may ruffle some feathers, so get ready. I am not a fan of the Denver Nuggets basketball team. I cannot I just cannot stand them sometimes. But one thing that I cannot knock is the buy-in from all the players to the team strategy. This young, scrappy, they, this young, scrappy team never gives up. They believe they can score on any team in the league, and they believe that they can do it quite quickly. I've watched this team come back from double-digit deficits. I've watched them come back from 3-1 deficits to win a game. Why? Because they have a strategy. Never give up, trust each other, score quickly, and play some defense. See, when teams get a lead on the Denver Nuggets or they take their foot off the gas, the Denver Nuggets never deviate from the strategy. They keep this strategy going, and it has proven to be quite beneficial. Well... Friends, I want to, I want to let you know something. Even though I dislike this basketball team, they teach us a lesson that no matter how our situation changes in life, we must never depart from God's strategy. When life is a mess, we should strive for goodness. When life is confusing, we should continue to learn more about God. When life becomes crazy, we should still exhibit self-control. When life becomes frustrating, we must learn to take a dose of perseverance. When obstacles are presented, we must exhibit godliness. When people are challenging or disrespectful, we must give them mutual affection and love, not hate. You see, Peter and the Denver Nuggets of our day teach us the strategy exists for a reason. And as we follow the strategy by God of exhibiting goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection and love. That strategy helps us live a good life, helps the world become better, but ultimately leads to eternity with Jesus. I know we do not control everything that may happen to us, but we can control partially some things such as our response to stressful situations, our prayer life, our actions, our speech. We control those things. And what we are partially in control of must must point others to God as well as ourselves. So I want you to ask yourselves these questions, reflect on them, chew on them for a moment. Are you responding to situations the way God desires? Are you living the way that God wants you to live? Are you being faithful to what God has given you or are you constantly just asking God for more? These areas can be controlled by us. But if we do not follow the strategy, how can we ever expect more from Jesus? Peter writes to us and our friends from the ancient past, and he tells us, hey, you need to relinquish all of your need for control and just embrace the strategy that leads to the Savior. So friends, if we're going to do some risk management We got to let this whole need for total control go. You don't have to be a control like addicted person. Let it go, but embrace the strategy that comes from God. But secondly, I want you to literally surrender everything to God. Nothing should be off limits. See, currently, in case you say, man, I cannot surrender everything to God. It's just some things I just have to be in control of. Guess what? I want you to know, some of us may feel that way, but guess what? We are currently in surrendering 101 on one class. Mm-hmm. The whole world is. We are having no choice but to trust that one day the pandemic will cease and we will be able to walk around outside amongst people not wearing masks, right? We are trusting that one day soon we will be able to hug each other again, go to church and sit right next to somebody who may not be our blood family member again, actually go into a place and not have to say, okay, hold on, let me make sure I'm six feet away from this person. But guess what? We have no clue as to when one day or someday will happen again. But guess what? All we can do, is surrender. Trust God and hope that God will literally work on our behalf. You see, this action of surrendering means that we put our hands up. We say, God, I have done everything that I can do. I can't do anymore. It's all on you. That's what surrendering looks like. And I know the action of surrendering is so scary. Because it's saying, I don't have control over this, but God, I know you do. And I'm trusting you. The action of surrendering is so uncertain. The action of surrendering, yes, is a huge risk. But I was once told this great truth is that when everything is uncertain, everything that's important becomes clear. See, in our uncertainty, we notice that we do not have all the answers. It becomes clear that we don't have the full capacity to actually fix our lives. It reveals the weakness that many of us attempt to hide. And more than anything, it shows our need for God. Uncertainty, it serves as the light that reveals the mess that we are and our need for God. So to help us today. I want us to go to yet another passage of scripture that talks about the life of Judah and Israel. You see, these people were just like us. They had a hard time surrendering to God, but they had an even more challenging time of prioritizing God. It was an up and down roller coaster of faith. And if you think I made this up, when you get some time, go read First and Second Chronicles in the Bible and you'll see all of what I'm talking about. But yet today... I want us to look specifically at a portion of 1 Chronicles. You see, at this time, believers, they were challenged just about by everything else. And yet the Lord tells them, guess what? Your relationship will be noticed by how you live. God reminds Judah and Israel as well as us today that we should risk our need for control to ultimately make God the centerpiece of our lives. Listen to a portion of David as he is praying a prayer of surrender in First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through 13. David prays, praise be to God, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, "'Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power "'and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, "'for everything in heaven and earth is yours. "'Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. "'You are exalted as head over all. "'Wealth and honor come from you. "'You are the ruler of all things, In your hands are strength and power to exalt "'and give strength to all. "'Now, our God, we give you thanks.'" and praise your glorious name. Do you hear the total surrender in that prayer? David says, God, you are above everything else that shows honor. David says, wealth and honor comes from you. You control everything that's truth and surrender and perspective in action. You see, David has the right perspective and he shows us why we, in fact, should risk control and surrender everything to God. He shows us that we should do this. Why? Because God is in charge of everything. And most times we spend our entire lives stressed out and jacked up on caffeine, trying to be a God that, look, we don't even have the capacity to be. We are always trying to do so much. Got to go here, got to be there, got to be this to that person, got to learn this about that thing. But guess what? We just need to learn how to say I can't control everything, but I serve a God who can. I was told this this week and it stepped all on my toes and I said, Al, so when I read it, you just say Al virtually. And it was this quote, no matter how much we attempt to control everything, It is impossible for us to control everything. I'll say it once more. No matter how much we attempt to control everything, it is impossible for us to control everything. From David's words and his great prayer of surrender in 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 13, we get these application truths from the text. We have no control as to when we will die. We have no control as to when tragedy or triumph will happen in our lives. We have no control as to how long our overly blessed seasons will last. We have no control as to when our overly blessed seasons will end. We have no control as to how many moments we will have with our loved ones. We have no control as to if we will run into traffic on our way to work or not. We have no control as to if someone preoccupied behind the wheel will swerve into our lane or not. But guess what God does? God has eyes on us every moment of every day. God knows the amount of hairs or not on our head and the issues of our hearts. God is in charge of our lives. And if we stop stressing and start surrendering, we will notice how free, how exciting, and how vibrant life can actually be. If we're not able to risk control for God, how then can we ever expect the reward that comes from God? Mm. As we ponder on risking control to make God the centerpiece of our lives, I invite you to think with me about a story I heard about a little girl and her mother the other day. You see, this little girl treated her mother badly because she was ashamed of her. The reason she was ashamed of her mother was because her mother had a huge scar that went across her face. The little girl would never invite her mother any place. And one day the mother asked the question to the daughter. She said, why is it that you never invite me to school? Why don't you ever invite your friends over to the house? And this daughter had the courage and boldness to actually say, it's because I'm ashamed of you, mother. Her mother said, why? She said, it's because of that nasty scar that's across your face. I couldn't bear to introduce you to my friends as all they would do was stare at your ugly scar. This mother felt very down, but she asked her daughter to sit down for a moment. And she started telling her daughter that one day she went outside of the house to get some water. But as she looked back at the house, she noticed that the house was on fire and so she risked her life to go back in and as this daughter was a baby at this time, she ran to her daughter's crib and noticed that the fire was engulfing the crib. She risked her life by sticking her hands down in the crib, raising her daughter to life and when she raised her daughter to life, she proceeded to run as fast as she could to the exit. As she was running to the exit, a beam that keeps the house up began to fall. And as it began to fall, she gently threw her daughter to safety in the front yard. But the beam fell on the mother's face and it seethed through the skin of this mother's face. And it was for about two to three minutes that the beam stood there until she was able to remove it and walk to safety. But she says this to the daughter. She says, the reason I have this scar on my face is because I risked my life to save your life. Friends, I want you to know that this mother is not the only one who has a scar that's pivotal and important and deals with us. Jesus has quite a few scars as well. Jesus has scars on his hands. He has scars on his sides. He has scars on his forehead. He even has scars on his feet. Why? Because he died for sinners like you and I. Jesus risked his life by giving up the seat right next to his father to come to earth and deal with sinners like Like you and I, Jesus gave up being on the in crowd. He gave and risked being like he risked even being rich. Why? So we could become children of God. Friends. I want to know by now, after hearing all of this, will you risk your need for total control to follow the strategy that leads to the savior? It begins with love. And this book ended with love. Will you risk your need for control and surrender everything to God? Because God rules all, is in all, and is above all. I'm talking not about your friend down the street, but I'm talking about the God who knows the end when we only know the beginning. The God who provides the purpose when we don't even know the next step. The God who sees all, knows all, And it's in all that's a God worth risking control for. And so, friends, today we talked about risking control. And I want you to know our church is about to do some risk management as we're going to risk our control to ultimately make God the centerpiece of our life. How? We are going to do a do good challenge. It's going to happen on October 10th and it's from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. No, you don't have to stay the whole time. What's gonna happen is there's gonna be an app and you're gonna be able to pick certain things to do good for someone else. So it could be writing an encouraging letter, sending a text message, picking up trash off the ground, and you get points for this thing. When you get points for it, you can win some prizes, but what it does is it risks our control of something to actually give hope, comfort, and goodness out to the world. If by chance you want to participate with the Second Punts team, I want you to email together at spdl.org. And let's talk about this Do Good Challenge. Anybody can do this. You don't have to stay 12 hours. You can stay 10 minutes, 1 minute, or 30 minutes. You can do a million challenges, or you can do two challenges. But I want you to risk a certain bit of time out of your day to sow goodness into the world. If by chance you don't know Christ and you are interested in in learning, what does this whole Jesus follower thing mean? What does it mean to say that someone has received salvation? Email us. We would love to speak with you about that. Friends, also, if by chance you want to sow into this ministry, feel free to go to spdl.org. The giving option is there and the drop down menu for all together is simply all you have to do is click on it and give as your heart leads. Friends, I want you to know as we conclude our time today that we all serve a great God that we should risk our need for total control and be faithful to what God entrusts us with. Our together takeaway is that total control is an illusion. Partial control is a gift and test from God that shows what we value. I want you to live risky in a positive way. Partial control, be faithful. Relinquish your need for total control and allow God to work in your life. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us.